The Panthers opened their season hot, as in the weather, but they dropped their first contest 27-30 against the defending NFC champion Los Angeles Rams. There was good, there was bad, and Jamie breaks down some bad officiating. We look ahead to a short week and our first game against the Bucks on Thursday night. The German and Space City Riot took a moment to chat with us and we picked up some editing room scraps from last week. There's much more, so please join us on the Roaring Riot Podcast, part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Welcome, everybody, to Carolina Line, your podcast for all things Carolina Panthers. With me in studio, Al Wallace, my name, Kevin Donnelly. Between his 23 years of experience in the NFL, inside the trenches, down and dirty, hands on the ground, getting it done. This is our perspective on uh, all things, like I said, Carolina Panthers. We're going to cover the Bucks game coming up and also do some recap of the Rams game and what we saw in that one. So first off, Al, welcome. I know you've been a traveling man uh, with the Charlotte 49ers as they went up to Boone and actually gave a heck of a battle against App State. Uh, you got to be proud of the 49ers for doing that, but then got right back on the road and headed down to Savannah. Yeah, you got to put the miles in. So up to Boone, all the way down to Savannah, Georgia to get my daughter set up in school for her first semester at Savannah College of Art and Design and put in some hours, man. A lot of coffee, but I'm here. I'm excited. I'm excited to kind of recap the game we saw on Sunday and get ready for the Bucks coming in on Thursday. Well, let's get right to it. You know, um, there was so much anticipation for this game against the Rams, but we all knew going into it that it was obviously going to be a tough battle with them being the defending NFC champs. I think, um, you know, so many people had, I think, great ideas that this would be a big win for the Panthers, but it was going to be it was going to be a tight game no matter what, and that's what we saw—just a three-point contest. Uh, but really, you know, in a game that was marked with a little sloppiness from both sides, probably a little bit more so on the Panthers, and that's why they came up with the loss. Yeah, I mean, you know, week one, I think we've seen around the NFL that teams were slow to go, and it started with uh, Green Bay and Chicago, and just some you know, inconsistent play on the football field. And the way things are now, it's not like when we played. You know, those guys get a lot of training camp off. They're scripted days off. Uh, so many rules that don't put them on the field and get them acclimated to high-impact football. Um, so there's a little rust. These guys really uh, knock off a lot of that rust in game one, and we saw that here with the Panthers. Just, you know, some errant throws, uh, some missed tackles, some missed opportunities, breakdowns along both offense and defensive line. Um, so, you know, you hope you get that together. But, man, it's a short week here. It's only four days, and they're right back on the field. Those bodies have – a very very little time to recover yeah and I think you know we'll get into the Bucks game and their preparation for this week it is a short week like you said and probably Panther wise uh it probably couldn't come at a better time because when you get a loss like that at home you want to get back to it and get back to work and flush that one behind you focus on the game at hand uh certainly a winnable game for the the Panthers on a nationally televised game on a Thursday night which is fantastic for them but um, you know, before we get into all that, we'll cover mostly the Rams here at the beginning and just talk about some of the things that we saw in this game. You know, offensively, uh, you hinted at it a little bit, um, the rustiness. And I think you saw that number one with QB1, um, just a little bit rusty with some of the throws, a lot of high throws, overthrown, uh, not quite accurate. I saw a couple to Greg Olson that were a little behind him or would have been tough catches. Uh, I think it's just a fact of the NFL now that a lot of guys aren't going to play in the preseason and a lot of coaches keep their fingers crossed that when game one comes, 
that they've got enough together, that they've got enough practice time together that it will hopefully show in a game. But in the case of the Carolina Panthers, there was a lot of rust there. Yeah, a lot of rust. And, I mean, the only way to get ready for football is to play football. I mean, the the mental reps, uh, the sideline, understanding of the playbook and, and, and making sure you're – you know, all up on your assignments, that's that's all good. But you can't mimic the speed of the game and the physicality of going out there and playing against a, a hostile opponent. So you saw that early. And, and with Cam, some of the throws, look, we're all spoiled in training camp and watching Cam throw the ball down the field to Curtis Samuel. And we thought that it would come out and try to light it up that way. Uh, but the Rams are a good football team. You said it, defending NFC champs. And they have, you know, Marcus Peters, and they have some great secondary guys. And, and you know, I'm sure we'll get into the, the front guys with Fowler, um, you know, and, and the things we saw. So, I mean, it was it was tough to watch them be a little bit inconsistent. But it's game one. I don't think anybody in, in Charlotte is panicking here. But um, Cam missed a few throws, a few opportunities. And we heard him at the podium today. Of course, he wants to get those back. And he's going to continue to get the questions about his arm strength. And is he able, is he capable of throwing the ball down the field? And I think he's saying, yeah, you, you go ask those Bucks defenders as they game plan. They know who I am. I'm ready. If they draw it up and they call the play, you know, North calls it, I'll whip it down there. So I'm excited to see that. Yeah, and I think, you know, offensively, when we kind of look at what were some of the negatives of the game and things that just let us down, you hit on it great with, with Cam Newton. You know, he did have a 66% completion rate, but just some key moments with some wide receivers open just missed some throws, and that would have sustained drives, kept our defense off the field. I think the next issue is really uh, the turnovers. You know, protecting the ball is just so very important. And for me, what I saw is that um, it, it was more of a rustiness factor that we, we keep talking about and not being in sync uh, because, you know, with DJ Moore, he played limited in the preseason. How many times did he get gang tackled and people punching at the ball? You know, it's younger guys or people trying to earn positions and just learn the defenses when you're playing in a preseason game. Now it's full out. And I think for some of these guys, um, you know, it hit quick. And for DJ Moore, it was a costly fumble that, that at least took three points off the board, possibly more. Yeah, and we've seen it go all the way back to last year with the Washington Redskins. He's a, you know, a Philly guy, but played at the University of Maryland. Uh, I spent time in College Park, of course. So, uh, you know, one of my guys I'm always rooting for. And it's his effort. So the thing that makes him different than the other wide receivers uh special and the reason he get you know got drafted so high is his his run after the catch i mean this guy is is just electric after he has the ball in, in his hand so um we've seen it so it's so much effort and so much energy trying to break tackles and not kind of giving up on the play and conceding get up and run another route catch another pass that pursuit is coming. Those big guys are coming. They're going to punch at the ball. They're going to stand you up. They're going to rake at it. And we saw that again, just another like peanut punch type of situation um, against DJ Moore and the ball's out. Look, Cam talked about it. I know everybody's in his ear. He knows what to do. He knows how important that ball is, and it's something he has to work on. But that thing in his gut that wants him to break tackles, He's not going to stop doing that. Now you have to teach him how to protect the ball when he's in that situation. When he feels that first guy get on him, hey, maybe wrap it up with two hands. So uh, it's great effort. It's one of those uh, mistakes that's from 100% effort, but he has to clean it up. The ball is too important to put on the ground. Yeah, and Al, I think that's something he'll learn because if you remember back last year, had a couple of issues early in the season, started with the Washington Redskins. But 
quickly made up for it because then there was never really issues after that going forward in the season. It was being used more and more as the season went on. You know, they didn't play him a whole lot at the very beginning. Um, really got to see his first catch, and it was a touchdown against Atlanta. And, um, you know, being a high pick, there were people were hoping to get him in there more. But I don't think there'll be a problem, you know, on that end of it. And then the other two turnovers, really a fluky play with the, the pass that was ruled a lateral um, to me, really, it's it play design possibly with maybe Darrell Williams being more aggressive on that defensive end that's out there, not allowing him to jump or going for the quick cut, especially when it's a design play to throw it right out there. The, the one thing that can cause trouble is a defensive end reading it and getting up there and knocking it down. Yeah, it's technique. Uh, if I'm a defensive end and, and looking at that offensive tackle, for me, the ones who were most successful with getting me on the ground, it wasn't a straight shot at the legs. Like, I can see that coming. I'm going to get my hands down uh, or I'm going to have another time to kind of get down and bounce back up and get in the, the line of the throw there at the defensive end position so you know for cam that you know he skipped that ball off the ground you're trying to get it out there as quickly as possible to dj Moore so that he can have time to turn face the defender and make a move and it just kind of bounces off dj's toe after it hits the ground and because of his momentum it really carries him away from recovering that ball and man the pursuit is just on him too quickly it's just a a bad bounce like literally a bad bounce and they uh you know get their second turnover of the game there um you know two that dj moore's involved with so you know those types of things you can clean up it's it's you know you want to get it out there but it has to be an accurate throw you got to hit him in the face with the ball so that you can catch it and run well, it gets it gets partially tipped there because I think if the the tackle was just more aggressive in his set, um, that's going to occupy that defender. Mm-hmm. That defensive end's going to hey, this guy's putting his hands on me. I need to get my hands on him. That means no hands in the air. Um, you don't always have to go for the cut, um, but you can't just sit back and and let the guy kind of read what you're doing and and I instantly see that the quarterback's going to chuck one out there. And he, he made a good play on that. Now the the other the last turnover was a, a fumble and just a bad throw by Cam. I mean, not a fumble, an interception by Cam. It was just a, a poorly placed ball and then didn't quite read the coverage that was going in there. And they they got him, you know. Yeah. And I think that goes back to uh, not a lot of preseason reps. And I think that's something now that you know, looking at all these three things, they're all very correctable. Um, and I think they'll get those adjusted for Thursday. Yeah, that's the great part. I mean, it's. You're not getting beat to a man. When you're getting physically outmatched and dominated and you look at the film and that's happening, now you got to worry because there's not a bunch of guys on the street that you can bring in to correct you know, physical deficiencies. But if it's technique, if it's things like making sure you see a, a linebacker or a safety underneath the coverage as you go through your progression, Cam, Cam, he's done that his entire career. So he'll figure that out. He'll understand where those guys are in that zone. And some of it, again, I mean, we're going to keep harping on it, but it's practice time. Right. It's reps. It's a way to sharpen and kind of slow down the game so that you can see those things. If you don't practice, it's moving a little fast right now. Nobody's going to admit that, but it's moving fast enough where you can't recover. You can't make the necessary adjustments with the ball. Well, with the the fumble that occurred with that quick throw out to DJ, um, that was also a situation where uh, it doubled as uh, a sack because technically it was Cam Newton had the ball then fumbled it since it was a lateral so that counted as a sack so that leads me to you know what's near and dear to me that offensive line you know when I go after a game and I was a player I'd go right to the stats and my my first one I'd look at was sacks how many do we give up then how many you know how did we run the ball because those are two things did we protect the passer did we run the ball well with three sacks um, I can address this I, I think looking at it 
there was one situation where I would really just key in on the offensive line and saying that was given up by them. It was a left side. They ran a TE game. It was really nice with Aaron Donald and Fowler. Um, really, if that wasn't passed perfectly, which it wasn't, um, that allowed Fowler to get underneath there and get to the quarterback quickly and bring him down. But um, I think that's something that is correctable. And I think playing with each other a little bit more with Greg Van Roten and Daryl Williams, because Daryl Williams is the new man to the mix. And even though he's had a ton of reps at right tackle, he's new to that left side of the offensive line. Yeah, it's difficult. And I'm sure that all week they've practiced with 99. Somebody wore a 99 jersey or a penny or something. They need to know where he is. So you're I, don't, so I don't know who would wear that. I yeah. mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a big – It's a big job, big it, responsibility. It's like one of our backups trying to wear uh, Patrick Mahomes or yeah. something. I mean, I'm not trying to put anybody down, but it's just – there's certain – There's, different there's five or eight dudes in this league that are just – Way better than everyone it's else. It's way better, and he's way better. Now, he had a, cry, a quiet day, and they did a, an outstanding job of making sure that he didn't wreck that football game. Uh, but in doing so, you, you know, you saw Greg just get locked on that, that TE game, and Aaron Donald deserves that type of attention. But Dante Fowler is explosive, man. He's quick. So he got hip-to-hip, and we know as defenders, I do as a defensive end, if I get hip-to-hip with the offensive linemen, they're not recovering. Um, so he's able to get back there to Cam. And when that pressure comes up the middle of the field, they, they, you can't escape. You see quarterbacks, and they're able to escape. Every time you turn on the film um, in a pocket, they're able to step up and find one of those gaps, especially with a four-man rush. Cam wasn't able to do that. That pocket just collapsed on him. Fowler shot up the middle after he comes around um, on that pick by Aaron Donald and just you know collects the sack. So that's a problem, and it goes back to the communication. They have to be able to communicate, switch that off, recognize it. And you talked about that. You you can see it in the stance a little bit. I did when I went back and looked at the film. Fowler's tightened up a little bit. Aaron Donald's a little wider. I mean, that wasn't one of those naturals we saw from Brian Burns in, in the preseason. That was a called uh, twist, a TE. And, uh, man, that was that's something we got to get corrected pretty quickly. Yeah, and it's – it is correctable and it's hard. It's games when you recognize that they're coming and you got a feel for it. Um, it makes the pass rush defense so much easier um, because you almost know where these guys are going to go. But with that one and how quick that Aaron is, you're right. He got hip to hip. It's hard to pass off unless that tackle recognizes it early. And that's another difficult thing. You know, you got to recognize really fast is Fowler coming, you know, like a, a bat out of hell off the outside or is there's a little bit less speed to him there? Got to start peeking inside and look for that guy pinching because uh, that tackle may be there for you to pick him up and snap that stun off quickly. But while we're talking offensive line, great job, great performance in terms of the running game. 127 yards uh, total on the day. Um, negative yardage because of the, the sacks that were accounted to it. But uh, CMC had 128 of those yards. So some of the – only got 127 total because of the minus yardage with Cam Newton getting sacked. Uh, and then Christian had two touchdowns, and he averaged 6.7 a carry. I mean, he's just – Amazing. He's a grown man. I mean, it's – you know, he continues to amaze me uh, coming in, and he's getting bigger and stronger, and we talk about the guns every every offseason and the work that he's put in. And, um, you know, I, I was a little concerned about the workload and, you know, 29 touches and what that may do to his body and longevity. He's built for it. He trains for it. His, it's in his DNA. I mean, we're, you know, standing next to his dad and his brothers pregame and that family understands how to prepare and all the doubt that you have I guess going into it he wipes it away man he wants the ball and there's the the reason why he has the lion's share of the touches in that offense so a quick turnaround they're going to need him again 
this Thursday, and I know he's ready for it. His body is going to be ready. It's what he does. It's his job, and he takes it seriously. Yeah, I think Coach Rivera hit on it nicely, saying if you're going to play a quick turnaround game, you'd rather do it towards the beginning of the season because although camp has just happened, you are more fresh than if you're having to turn this around at, at week 12. So, uh, But back to the offensive line, I thought for me watching them, um, this a lot of things looked in sync uh, and, and the way you can tell it this when you look at the stats and you're watching this game is that there were not uh, any, if, if, if at all, maybe a couple of negative plays in terms of rushing where it set up a second and 12 because Christian McCaffrey got stopped for minus two or a play just gets completely blown up and you're sitting there at uh, second and 11 or, or you know third and nine because you lost three yards on the play before so when you have those situations it does give you a chance for more success but to me the thing that ultimately told me was that they were on their blocks they were counting for guys the technique was there the footwork was there um and they're just going to get better from here uh they got out of the game uh, healthy which is you just think back one calendar year from today how many struggles we had trying to figure out what the offensive line was going to be to me, uh, the way they work together in the run game was outstanding. Yeah, it's it's staying healthy, and we know that how important that is. That's that's super important. But um, when you watch this unit and how they move together and how they get on those combo blocks, and I've seen guys. I mean, look, Trey Turner is coming off of those things, and he's latching on to Little John. I think his his name is a linebacker from the Rams. He's just taking him for a ride, man. He's aggressive. He's going to finish some of those. I saw him out there scrapping a few times. That's going to happen literally every game for number 70. So I just like the way he works. And that relationship he's now built uh, with Moten is, is just phenomenal. And we're going to get that left side going. They weren't bad. They did a great job. Darrell Williams is a heavy offensive lineman when he gets on guys. Uh, they, they struggle kind of getting separation and, and getting off to the play. So this offensive line played well. It's I saw an improvement since the preseason. I'm expecting them to get even better as the season goes along. You know, you mentioned Trey Turner and, and number 70 being seen out there getting – getting feisty <laughs> and it was just kind of funny with the uh, he, he obviously was talking some smack or was answering to somebody that was talking smack from the Rams and uh you know was there any times out there where you had an offensive lineman that, that talked to you or gave you always the extra shove at the end of the play or was always late getting off you on the if there was a pile up at a tackle that just irritated you I think I think most of them do and I might be a little biased you know but I, I don't know that I've played in 10 years against any offensive linemen that were really talkative but man the ones that will play to this to the whistle and beyond those are the the guys that you know you really respect but they are the most annoying uh players because they you know you guys are big and we have to fight uh to use those long arms and that leverage to kind of keep you away and then try to separate our job is to literally get off the blocks and the guy that sticks to you man that's going to be a long day so there's been plenty of guys that you know kind of let you know it's you know i'm going to be here all day and you're going to go for a, a ride but i think trey turner's the kind of guy that you know i'll know that he's vocal i can't hear him talk out there but he is just that net and everybody's Mm -hmm. face and people are trying to swat him away he's just going to keep coming for 60 70 snaps a game and that that'll wear you down in the fourth quarter well my my mo as an offensive lineman was <laughs> um i didn't do a lot of talking um if somebody cheap shotted me or did the extra shove or did something dirty to me i'd be in my head all right all right that's how you want to go that's how it's going to be oh it's on now <laughs> And it was knee shots and pushes in the back oh, yeah. and whatever I could get away with. And then sometimes, you know, guys would, would go over the line and 
next thing I know, it's it might not even be a defensive line. It might be a linebacker that I'm not going to hit on every play. Uh, I can remember taking a cheap shot from Bill Romanowski when he was with the Broncos, and it was classic. That's what he does. He tries oh, yeah. to get in the opponent's skin. So outwardly, I didn't show it. But, man, I was looking for kneecaps. Anytime I saw him around a pile or whatever. I mean, I hate to say – well, I don't hate to say that. I like doing that. That's but part it, of the game. It was I, when we played. I didn't ever feel like I got good – payback on him like I still owe him there's a debt that needs to be collected so I'm wondering um, what I do is sometimes think you know when I'm flying around the country doing different things you know if I run him to an airport like I don't know especially if my wife's not around to stop me like I may just go off in the, in the airport and they're like that dude just cut block a that lot guy. of guys old Bill Romanowski <laughs> trust me he's made a lot of enemies in the NFL look tough player I mean, he played hard. He played a little harder than he should have. I mean, he wasn't. I mean, he's probably on the top five list of dirtiest players ever. Uh, so yeah, I think he has his head on the swivel in the airport. He knows everyone around the country wants a little payback. He's on my list. <laughs> he made my list. I got a couple other guys on the list. Maybe I'll, I'll tease those for another show. So you got to tune in because there's um, some that I think some fans would agree with too. Uh, that are um, some personalities that you see on NFL Network and ESPN that uh, Kevin Donnelly needs a little payback on. So we'll we'll get to that. Now let's get the defense. You know, you're talking about some of the. The ways that the, the double teams work on the offensive line and getting that push, talking about Daryl Williams and what they were able to do with the run blocking that game. Somebody I saw on that front, um, and you know we didn't really talk about this before the show, but I saw Don Terry Poe making some plays. He mm-hmm. got in the backfield a bunch, and I know he didn't register a lot of tackles, but what I saw was a lot of drive and a lot of push. And you know, one particular play I saw. He just blows up the uh, the guard in the center that we're trying to work towards the linebacker there, and he just blows his guy up, slams him into the backfield, makes Gurley have to cut outside and set Shaq up perfectly to make a big hit. And it was early in the game, like uh, mid-first quarter, and I just thought, you know, that's the kind of player they need to, to disrupt in this defense. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, everyone can probably agree that it was a little disappointing last year, you know, to have him come in and replace a guy like Starr and, and play next to KK and, and be able to support him. Um, but you have seen a different football player in Don Terry Poe so far through the preseason and, and obviously this game one. Just more explosive. He looks like he's moving around any better. Um and, and that helps this football team when you uh, play the 4-3. And, and I'll get into that. Like, that completely shocked me that they were lined up in the 4-3. But he's able to penetrate from either that nose or the 3, depending on whether they have him. Uh, anytime you want to run that outside zone that we talked about a few of the Rams, to get penetration, to, to knock off a guard or hold off a, a center, that helps Shaq and Luke and those guys at linebacker. And we saw Jermaine Carter Jr. get a start there on that 4-3 defense. It helps them run to the ball. There's no more guessing. They understand where the ball is going, play side, and they can attack. They have a guy like Don Terry Poe just blowing it up. Yeah, and we'll get to the 3-4 versus the 4-3 later. But, Al, this this has always been weird to me. Um, When you look at every position uh, on a football team, when you separate the groups with DBs, linebackers, D-line, O-line, tight ends, running backs, quarterback, wide receiver, whatever that group may be, there's a similar look and type to all those positions. And mm-hmm. there's some that are a few a little, a little taller, a little heavier, a little muscular, but they're all in the same realm. Yeah. But D-line's always gotten me like, hey, when the D-line come over here and you got 340-pound Don Terry Poe, some big boys in Gerald McCoy and K1 Short, but then you got Brian Burns, sleek cheetah, Leopard running yeah. over there, making it look easy, athletic, 250 pounds, and just cut up. And it's just, um, 
you know, the kind of athleticism he has. But I bring that up because a guy like Poe can make a difference. But but Burns went in there and, and showed he can do some things, that he belonged. Um, he wasn't overwhelmed by the situation. And we also hope he grows as the season goes on. But a couple bright spots for that kid, that kid in the game. Yeah, he, he did a great job. He got the start. This team came out and lined up in a 4-3 defense. And, and Burns out there at the left defensive end spot opposite uh, Mario Addison. So, I mean, he does a good job. The body and the weight for me uh, playing the position, it doesn't mean as much as being good at technique and leverage, right? If you can hold the guy off, if you can get your hands inside, kind of in those armpits, and uh, he's just a long football player, man. You don't need to hold him off. If you're holding the guy off for five seconds, then you're you're getting blown out of there. I don't care how strong you are if you weigh 280 pounds at defensive end. So I watched him. He used great technique. Uh, his explosiveness, that first step, even in the running game, it really – throws off offensive linemen so uh, you, you saw him make a couple big plays a, a great debut and he's only going to get stronger you know you you want Bruce Irvin to come back but Brian Burns has a role in this defense and they're going to count on him they're going to lean on him and he is not a liability in the run I don't care if he's 240 or 50 pounds he uses great technique and great leverage and he's a smart football player a couple episodes ago it talked about his football iq he knows where to put his body he understands his leverage and his responsibility and that's almost something you can't teach and i know he got great coaching at florida state but he's doing a good job i was thoroughly impressed well you know players obviously want to get playing time because you know it, it, that's how they make their mark in the nfl that's how they get paid down the road you know he wants to get sacks and make plays but you also want to see what's his want to in terms of serving the team in general and the fact that they put him on the punt block team um, it was just, I think, a great uh, decision by Chase Blackburn and that staff to get him out there because um, just by coincidence, I'm, uh, I see Graham Gano up in the press box, and um, we actually sat down and we're watching some of the beginning of that game, and Graham's like, you know, keep an eye on Burns today. He is so tough. We've had him in practice for punt blocks, and his speed and, like you said, his length – it's just been an issue. Shocking. It's been a problem. Yeah. He, he's like, I think he's going to get a lot of blocks this year. I, he's like, I know that's crazy. They, people want sacks and all this stuff, but it's going to happen. And sure enough, early in that game, gets a deflection. The punt does go seven yards, but it's better than 57. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a nice momentum shift for the Carolina Panthers. And that's what he also brings to it, that he's got want to, to want to be on these special teams and try and – if he's not going to get 50 reps during a game – then let me get some reps on special teams and make a difference. That's right. The numbers are are down. So it's 53 guys on a roster, and I believe maybe only 45 of those dress on game day. So the numbers dictate that some of those backups, uh, and I know he started, are going to have to play special teams. And uh, to be that young and that athletic, I think it's shocking, right? You don't have an opportunity to game plan for Brian Burns. And when you line up across from him, what I've seen is guys are just shocked by the, the quickness he has that first step. And we saw that on that that block there that you're just shocked and now you're in panic mode you're backpedaling he's able to push you back a little bit get those long paws out there and uh, get a hand on one so this guy has a bright future and like everybody else on this team coach Ron Rivera and staff they're going to utilize those talents whenever and wherever they possibly can now get them on the field get them on the field get them on the field I mean it was like peppers when we were back in the day you know we we tried to get him in on the like goal line situation right get him six six I mean what are you going to do but it, it it's it is funny like that that sometimes athleticism in one position doesn't automatically translate over to another because how many people work on that skill and craft to get you know to hit that fade in the end zone and then we're asking a guy that's lined up and played defensive end uh, most of his career and I know Pepper started out as a tight end but still he hadn't 
played it a whole bunch, but you try and get them out there. Um, certainly for uh, the Carolina Panthers, a guy that they wanted out there and wanted to get some reps to was their newest signing back in June with Gerald McCoy. Not a lot of stats in this game, but, you know, I think – it's the first game. We'll, we'll expect to see improvement for sure as the season goes. Yeah, one thing that doesn't show up is pressures. And I thought he got after the quarterback. You see him get a couple of hits. But, it's uh, you know, you're not able to, to rack up the sacks. And uh, we'll see that coming down the line. One thing with pass rushers, you have to be patient. I mean, they come in bunches sometimes, and it's slow to go. Plus, this offense is, is kind of set up the Rams, that is uh, – you know, to do a good job of protecting and giving uh, Jared Goff some time to throw the ball down the field. So, you know, again, let's, I'm just shocked. They come out in the 4-3 defense. We've talked about the 3-4 all offseason. It's like the entire story for this defense, and they come out in a 4-3. And, you know, quick story, I, I felt bad. You know, before the game, we're there for our production meeting and just kind of hanging around as a big gap there between the, the meeting and the time we're on the field for the pregame show and, uh, DeMarco Farr, great Rams defensive tackle. He, he does sideline reporting for their broadcast. And uh, Maurice Jones-Drew is up in the booth. Those guys, hey, man, you know, and they felt comfortable enough knowing I was a former player. W- what defense are you guys running? 4-3, four, 3-4? Three, three, four? Yeah. I was so confident. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's going to be a 3-4, you know. They'll never trust you again. They'll never <laughs> trust me again. They thought I was gaming them. I know they did. After the game, you kind of see people, oh, all right, Al, we'll see you. They're like, man, we probably got up here in their pregame show and said, yeah, we're going to see a 3-4 defense, and I was – completely off so they fooled me think they fooled everybody but i i don't know that i made two friends in a couple former nfl players and 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 something similar happened to me i was it was right before the steelers the fourth preseason game and i saw north turner on the sideline and i was like you know hey what what plays coming first i'm on the sideline doing the radio here i'd like to have like a little insight you know just so the, the the view i mean the guys listening at home people listening at home would be like oh kevin said they're gonna you know do a quick pass to the right. He knows his stuff. He's got a little Tony Romo in him maybe, you know. So I asked him, he's like, yeah, we're going to do a quick pass to the right, little play action. We want to get um, Kyle Allen, you know, some nice completions early. and get. I'm like, I bought in. Hook, line, and sinker. Sure enough, they run a play to the left, a running play, like the opposite of what he told me. I'm like, this is a preseason game. The records don't count. Give it to me. So that's what they thought with you. They're right now going, man, this is like – it made no difference on the game. It's not like I'm going to call up the coaches and tell them some secret blitzes. Oh, I just wanted a little insight, and he throws 3-4 at me when they run 4-3 all game. Yeah, as soon as I saw it, I said, man, they think I gamed them. Like, yeah, that was tough, but it was it's fun. And that defense, and Coach Rivera spoke to it a little bit. He said, you know, I think he's hesitating saying what's their base defense. Is it a 30 front, a 3-4, whatever you want to call it, um, odd front, you know, it's whatever the offense dictates. And that goes the same for the starters. Who starts depends on, you know, what personnel package do they come out in. They're going to come out in 11. There's three wide receivers. Then we're going to throw nickel out. So a linebacker is not going to get the start. Jermaine Carter might be off the field and you'll have a nickel back in there uh, playing that position. So I think it's, it's, it's very fluid on what they're going to line up. No one knows. Um, and this obviously in their game planning for the Rams, they thought the four, three was the best thing to come out. Three linebackers they had four guys down uh, to test that, that offense with, um, you know, Jared Goff and the rest of the guys. So yeah, it's good and to see. Kind of my theory on that is, is is a lot of what you're saying is that, you know, the personnel that the Rams run ran is it attributed more to that nickel. And 
when they go nickel, they want to go like a four-two front, um, basically instead of the you know a three-two, and you know, so it just works out better, I think, for what they game plan and what they thought they would do well against it. And then, you know, with that in passing situations, they actually held uh, the Rams to, to under two hundred yards in the passing. So, you know, I thought it was a good plan. We didn't get to the quarterback as much as we wanted to, but um, you know, I think with the three-four. As the season goes and they get more comfortable popping that in there here and there, um, that's another thing. Like, you don't just come out and run something brand new. I, I think they knew they were always saying we're multiple, we're multiple, and mm-hmm. we saw both during the preseason. So, I expect that to continue. We see the 4 3, but then they start to put in the more 3 4 as the season goes along. And that's nice wrinkles they can add every week that teams just can't prepare for because it's new. But before we got on that, you were talking about McCoy, and that segues me to this Bucks game Thursday night. Now, as a player, I want to see this cat come out like his hair's on fire. You know, I think he was disrespected by his team, giving his number immediately to another player. Um, Not a lot of fanfare. It was almost like good riddance. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. I know how I'd feel, and I knew how I'd feel. You know, and I played against former teams that I had. Even if it wasn't bad blood, you want to prove something to that staff. Yeah. Yeah, it's – Look, my experience uh, happens in the NFC Championship game to send us to the Super Bowl. You know, I get released by the Philadelphia Eagles, and I was literally told that they didn't know if I was a linebacker or a defensive end. Ron Rivera is my coach at the time, and I'm playing outside linebacker, and I end up getting cut. So full circle to come back a couple years later and have to play them to go to the Super Bowl, all my former teammates – kind of get after Donovan McNabb, who was a young guy at the time, uh, that meant a lot to me. So for Gerald McCoy, I know this one's been circled since the day they released him and he signed here with the Carolina Panthers that he's going to get an opportunity in Bank of America Stadium to kind of prove that he's still that guy. And uh, we saw him pregame. He had this look in his eye. He's focused on game day. He's a funny guy. He's a very engaging character. But he is focused on game day. And I think his, like you said, he 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 is going to be on fire Thursday night uh, and go out there and give this team everything he has. I just, you know, that his teammates got to feed off that energy and just follow him in the battle because he's he's going to war Thursday. It's, no, game day is all business That's now. That's right. I saw him walk in, and um, it wasn't the same McCoy. Like a switch had already flipped. Yes. He was still in his street clothes, and the hairdo was looking good. Everything was on point. <laughs> I mean, he's going to give Cam a run for his money in terms of fashion. That oh, he's dude was looking good. Yeah. Oh, for a big guy too, it's hard. He's leading the way. I got that big booty just like he got, man. It's hard. I, I don't know. Hard to get some clothes. I can't. I can't shop where he's shopping, man. That's a that's a custom tailor putting yeah, those man. fine things together. But he looked like he meant business. I think it's going to happen on Thursday night. I had a I had a situation. Um, you just carry these things, and I was with the Tennessee Titans, which were once the Houston Oilers, and I was with that franchise for seven years. I spent three years in Miami before coming to Carolina, and then in two thousand three. Got to play the Tennessee Titans. You remember that season. Mm-hmm. We started out 5-0 and that year, and the Titans were a very average team. They came to town, and there were still so many guys on that team that I knew, and defensive linemen, um, guys that I'd gone against in practice and stuff, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a good taste today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some payback on it. Even though they didn't deserve it, it's just you always want to prove those other guys, mm-hmm. hey, man, I still got it. You should never let me get out of here. You know, you should never let me go. And um, – Unfortunately, it wasn't a great game. We got down like 21-zip within three minutes with uh, uh, like a fake 
kickoff, like a, I think it was an onside kick. Then they did like a fake punt, and they did something else. I don't know. We got down so gadgets. fast. Yeah, so my, my plans were thwarted, but I'm hoping with Gerald McCoy they're not because I think this is the team that's ripe for the picking. Um, it, it's been one of the weaker teams in the NFC South. It's been that way for a while now. New coach, um, a lot of different things going on down there. They suffered a, a loss out in San Francisco this week, 31-17. So definitely they have to travel up here. Um, that's just less time you can work on things, less time to recoup. It's going to be a big deal on Thursday. Uh, I, I think the Panthers are just going to be too much for them, and I'm looking for a really good win for the Panthers. Yeah, primetime hasn't been great for the Panthers. and in, in, Whether it's Monday night or Thursday night, I mean, with all eyes on them, I mean, my mind goes back to the Steelers game last year. But to have the Bucks second game after you, you come up short three points uh, in the home opener – you know, Jameis Winston is with Bruce Arians. He's kind of the quarterback whisperer. He's worked with, uh, you know, Big Ben and a lot of other quarterbacks. Uh, Andrew Luck, when he was with the Colts. Um, so that offense, I mean, he has a good scheme. But can Jameis Winston execute uh, this defensive line? McCoy, the guys we've been ta- talking about, Brian Burns, they're going to have a great opportunity to kind of force Jameis Winston into some bad throws. And uh, guys we have not talked about, like James Bradbury and Dante Jackson, who had great games and really did a good job job in the secondary the back end Shaq Thompson had nine tackles this past uh, weekend I mean he's gonna have those guys are gonna have a great opportunity to to build on a great start on that defensive end so I'm 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 excited man I'm looking forward to it no it's a division game so it's it's get one right out of the bat and I think um it's it's gonna be a good matchup because I thought you know, looking at some of the film of the Bucks versus the 49ers, looking at the stat line, I know the 49ers aren't a great team, but I thought the Buccaneers did a good job stopping the run, kept them under 100 yards, and it was like three yards a carry. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty low. You know, Christian McCaffrey's coming off a game where he averaged 6.7 a carry, which it's not going to happen the whole season long. But that's really a strong suit coming out of week one for the Panthers. That run defense just one week, but for the Bucks, look pretty strong. I think this is where this game's going to be won. Uh, we always talk about the O-line and D-line. I think that, um, you know, with Christian McCaffrey seems to be hitting in midseason form in week one, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's going to get a lot of touches. But I think this offensive line uh, is going to be able to control some things up front, and I think they'll have another big rush day. And all you have to do is just look back to that first game that they played in 2018, it was the home game, and our offense was in pretty good sync. We racked up 179 yards rushing against them, yeah. 179. And it was spread around. Um, and if you remember, that was the game we really started to introduce the world to Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore with, a, I hate to call them gadget plays. I think they're well-designed misdirection plays yes. that resulted in big, big plays. Yeah, those guys are electric, and and I agree with you. That offensive line, I mean, this Bucks defense is young, and, and they have Quan Alexander, who's a great linebacker there. Got ejected this past weekend for a helmet-to-helmet hit, but he'll be in the middle. He's athletic. He can cover. I mean, he can hit. He's a young, dynamic guy, and they're pretty young, but they're talented. You know, they do have Sue there, the guy that has on number 93, uh, so you think that's not going to fire up uh, Gerald McCoy when he sees that so it's not getting any easier they got another big strong talented defensive tackle to handle um but they you know it's a it's a defense that they're gonna attack and i mean they have christian mccaffrey and you start to see glimpses of uh dj and curtis and what they can do in this offense and i think with that many weapons and you obviously know christian mccaffrey's gonna get his touches i i think cam's just he's frothing at the mouth man it's gonna come and it's gonna happen it's real early it's young all these things coming together because of the lack of um, playing time in the, in the preseason. Well, I think 
for this team to have some success offensively against that Bucks defense, um, I'd really like to see Cam Newton run the ball a few more times on some designed runs, and North Turner's great at this. He can find ways to do it where the risk is very minimal, where it's, it's rolling him out of a pocket, uh, doing a naked even where you get everyone going one way. Yeah, there might be someone that keys in on him, but his speed and athleticism, you know, if it's just one defender there, it still gives him option to throw it or run it. And I think he has the choice of, of where he wants to go with that in terms of physicality and whether he's going to take a hit or not. I think you incorporate him with Christian McCaffrey with a couple of little trick plays in there. Um, that can keep that Bucks defense off guard, and I think things can start to get into a rhythm and get this offense where it needs to be. Yeah, it's who Cam Newton is. And, you know, the foot injury, the shoulder injury, all those things being what they are, I think if you take that out of the game plan, if Norv takes that piece out of his game uh, plan, out of the playbook, uh, then you lose a huge part of the offense. Let's just say 10% of the offense is just completely gone. That's that As a defender, that, that makes it easy. I can game plan for Cam Newton without worrying about him running the ball. I mean, half of the nightmare that keeps those guys up is worrying about that 250 body tucking the ball and, and running down on your defensive back. So they have to add in a few of them, even if they're small wrinkles, to keep the defense honest, to put it on film so other coaches and teams, as they game plan for this football team down the road, have to worry about Cam Newton running the ball. And I think, looking back at the stats, I, I think the Panthers in that game, the first one in 2018, uh, racked up 42 points, if I remember right. Uh, a great offensive performance by the Panthers. And Cam Newton rushed it 11 times that game, 11 times. So it puts stress on the defense in other ways that help other plays get success uh, and set up for future things. So um, I think we're both in agreement there. You know, we're not trying to get the guy hit and, and extra uh, wear and tear on him. It's just more about keeping that option open that it makes the defense think more. Because as a defensive player, man, if you've got your eyes on him, um, it, other guys can get behind you, can get free. You don't pay attention to you know a ball fake, and suddenly Christian McCaffrey, like we saw with the the direct snap, doesn't have to be anything major. Just a subtle little thing by North Turner wrinkle. there opened it wide open. Now on this defensive side um, for the Carolina Panthers, uh, I think that you know Jameis is coming off a tough week. Mm -hmm. um, had the interceptions, and two of them were pick sixes. Um, that can mess with your head. Yeah, it can mess with your head. I know Cam had the. Uh, a couple of turnovers, but, man, three interceptions, two of them per pick sixes, it's got to play with your mind. Yeah, it's a pivotal year for Jameis Winston. Uh, you know, both he and Marcus Mariota drafted pretty high in, in their draft class and, and new head coach now. And I think he's Bruce Arians has given him an opportunity. He thinks he can kind of turn him around. But it comes down to decision-making and offensive line play and kind of protecting him um, and letting him get the ball to some pretty good weapons on the outside, you know, uh, Chris Goodwin and, and Mike Evans are, are phenomenal wide receivers when they have the opportunity. I think Goodwin had a 17-yard average last week. So they can get the ball out, and Jameis puts up numbers, but the thing that jumps out is the turnovers, his decision-making. So another good week from the secondary in that pass rush led by Gerald McCoy, Brian Burns. We want to see KK and the rest of the guys get involved. I think um, you said it best. This is a great way to bounce back. Short week. You lost. You got a terrible feeling. You can't wait until the next game. Well, it's coming up pretty quickly here. It's, it's on Thursday, and they'll get a chance to go back out there on defense and face down an NFC South opponent and chase down the Saints, who are the only team in the NFC South to win this past weekend. All right, so 
you're set up, you're the defense coordinator, you're Ron Rivera, you're attacking this Bucks offense. You know, what what are some things you see them doing uh, that can help really shake things up on Thursday night and make uh, possible you know turnovers, some big plays, tackle for losses, and, and get this defense uh, kind of where it needs to be back in the top ten where we want to see it. Yeah, we you know talk about Shaq Thompson again, and and I want to see them. Um, we've seen before when uh, Thomas Davis would here was here with Luke Kuechly and, and Thomas Davis kind of faking up there. Uh, we call it sugaring up there in the A-gap, kind of giving that double A-gap look. I think to pressure Jameis Winston, who's not Cam Newton at all, he's not uh, a very mobile quarterback, and to get pressure right up the middle, which is the best kind of pressure from a defensive perspective, up the middle in his face, I think you throw off the timing. They have bigger physical wide receivers. They're going to take a little bit of time to get out on those routes. If you force Jameis to make a decision and get it out of his hands, um, I think he can make some bad bad throws. So for me, get get Jameis in, involved. And we saw James Bradbury along with the interception and one that he should have had. He had a sack. So you see some corner blitzes. You see the defensive backs defensive backs getting involved. Blitz up the middle. Bring some pressures. Trust those guys. Trust Jackson and, and, and Bradbury in coverage. And the guys on the back end, Trey Boston also had nine tackles this past weekend. Trust your secondary. Put them in man-to-man a little bit and see what you can do by bringing five, maybe six guys. Just blow it up on Jameis and force them to make good quarterback throws. Well, I think that um, we've broken it down. Oh, I, I think you know you just said about the defense and what they need to do and offensively. Uh, locking in some of those points. Uh, we'll see if that gets done Thursday night. Uh, I think that uh, this team's going to grow a lot over the next few weeks um, with Cam Newton and, and his progress and getting more comfortable. And, and just one final thought on him. like For me, um, he is so confident. He knows who he is. He's so secure in himself that he can wear this kind of crazy fashion. And um, he can look sometimes like he just doesn't care about things. And, and it comes from a, a position where he just he's just comfortable with himself. But I think the football side of it and having that injury and making him feel like there's some vulnerability there. There's a chink in the armor. Superman got hit with a little kryptonite that – um, part of me thinks this is uh, mental in some respects that he just needs to get his confidence back. Yeah. And it's one player you think, like, he's always got the swag. He's always got the drip. Everything's always going right. You know, he's got this perfect life because of the fame and the fortune, the good looks, everything that's going his way. But I think there's something about just getting out there and playing and having some success and feeling that confidence start to grow. You can't just make it happen. And, Al, you know, I'm just interested to hear your take on that. I think that if there's some success on Thursday night, I mean, that could be the pivot, the, the, the turning point for him that starts that progression of getting back to where he needs to be. I think it starts upstairs. It starts with Ron and Norv and those guys also having confidence that Cam Newton is going to be okay, that you have to let him go. I mean, we both have kids, and when they're babies and – you know, they're in situations, they, they fall down and scrape a knee, and you see them again, you're trying to catch them. You're trying to protect them from that. But Cam needs to see that he's okay, that he's not going to fall down or get hurt. And it's football. He might. I mean, he just might. But um, he talked about the mental part of the rehab and dealing with everything that he had to last last year. Um, so for Norv and Ron and the rest of the staff, I mean, you can't bubble wrap this guy. He's Superman. He is literally Superman. Let him go. 
Let him go. Let him fly. And I guarantee you he's going to get you where you need to be. This is going to be a big week for Cam. I, I, I saw him, you know, in his press conference, and, and he's ready to go. Uh, he's in a great mood. I think he knows this is a great opportunity. When he's given a chance, when those handcuffs come off, to just light it up, and we'll see number one. We'll see Superman again here. I like where your head's at. I love it. Now let me test that, though. You said take the bubble wrap off, yes. right? So just yesterday and today, you took the bubble wrap off your daughter. <laughs> yes. Your daughter and delivered her to college. I did. Uh, she's at uh, Savannah College of Arts and Design. Yes. Uh, so you made that trip. You dropped her off. You left her. Um, you took that bubble wrap off. It's time to let her fly? It's time to let her fly. Well, just some tears, though? There were some tears. I you mean, can't. I got a daughter. It happened to me. Yeah. Shoot, it happened to me when she walked into first grade. Yeah, it's hard. Man. She's, she was in theater and in her artwork. I'm telling you, I would sit down uh, at Charlotte Christian when she was there and watch her in performances. And I'm glad the theater was dark, man. I can't help it. I'm just a, <laughs> a water fountain to believe that, uh, you know, that child came from me. And, you know, just the way I grew up and to have her be as successful and as driven as she is. I mean, it was a proud moment. I put on my shades. I knew it was coming. We had <laughs> breakfast together. And I was like, man, here it comes. So I can feel it in my heart. But I'm extremely proud of her and excited for her journey. And she's an adult and she's off and she's on her own. And I have to trust that I did the right thing for 18 years and laid the foundation for her to make great decisions. Mm, I bet you did, man. I know you, Al. I, <laughs> I bet you did. It. But it, it. isn't parenthood one of the – it's one of the damnedest things in it life is. where one moment can make you so proud as you're heading a, a child off to college, to the whole world's in front of her to do whatever she wants to do with her life. And you've given her this – um, this this platform for her able to go on to life and do great things, and at the same time, it hurts you. Yeah, it just it kills you it's inside, go, and it's man. just that it's that constant back and forth that you feel. And um, you know, I got three kids, and two are in college, one graduated, and they're coming and going all the time. And it sometimes it's, it, it still doesn't get any easier. You no. know, we get them home for a couple of weeks during a break, and then they have to leave. Like Mama's real sad at home. Yeah. She's sad. But anyway, we're not ending on a sad note. We're proud of your daughter. Yes, yeah, She's going to go do great things. I like the pep talk you gave for Cam. It is in, it's, it's a lot of different things that, um, that this whole team needs to get better. But I think the bright spot that we can't coming out of this to close this thing off is uh, – there were some fantastic individual performances yes. on both sides of the ball. You mentioned Shaq. You mentioned Bradbury um, on the offensive side. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey. Um, some of the work, the, the run blocking in, in the offensive line. Now it's about putting it together as a team. Some of the great stuff in the, in the special teams. I yeah. mean, we, we can't discount that. Some really good punt returns by Elliott. Um, I, I think he's a bright spot on this team. So um, with everything going on, people think the sky is falling. But certainly this team, I believe, is going to rebound Thursday night. Do you have any predictions? I think I think it's a big win. I think they're coming to town. The Panthers are a little disappointed. They saw some of those uh, coachable moments that – they fell short on uh, this past Sunday, and I think they beat up on the Bucks. They have to beat up on the Bucks. It's the NFC South. It's prime time. Everybody under the lights. Everybody's going to be watching. They have to put a good product on the field. I absolutely believe everything you just said. I am on that bandwagon for sure. Uh, I've enjoyed talking to you. Absolutely. It was this just the great. two of us, this but, man, the two this was us. good. <laughs> 
We're going to make it. We're going to make it, man. Because we're trying hard. We're really trying. No, but we we love you guys that are uh, tuning in to us. We certainly want you to um, give us a rating on this. Give us a review. Tell us how we did. Uh, even leave a comment if you want to, because we always want to get this thing growing and getting better each and every week. Just trying to give you that inside look uh, from two linemen. That two, 20, two big guys. 23 yes. years in the trenches and, and what our take on all of this all of this is, and um, all things certainly Carolina Panthers. Um, we've enjoyed it today. Thank you guys for listening to the Carolina Line as part of the Roaring Riot Network. The Riot Network's just doing great things here with their podcast, and we're glad to be a part of it. Awesome job by them. Please leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are sold, and tell some friends. Man, we love this thing. We tell want to keep friend. this thing Join going. In. So till next time, when we celebrate a win over the Bucks. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah.